All right, all right, all right, all right. Day 230. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see our Sales. All right. So today we're in the book of Zechariah, right? Zechariah and the book of Zechariah is very similar to Haggai. Now, if we remember Ezra <clears throat> chapter five, it says that the prophets Zechariah and Haggai were the ones who told uh, the people of God to rebuild the temple. And so we read about Haggai and we talked a ton yesterday about how he is going to encourage God's people to rebuild the temple and look for the fulfillment of God's promises that he gave in the major prophets. Now, Zechariah specifically doesn't tell us a ton about how he was telling the folks to go rebuild the temple, right? But it does give us all of these visions. And so Zechariah, as a prophet, he is going to receive these visions and dreams from God. And it's going to explain the current events that have been unfolding in light of the exile and the return from exile and what's going to happen. Uh, it's, it's going to, to serve as a window for what's going to happen uh, in the future. No pun intended. All right. So Zechariah chapter one, he starts off with a call to repentance, right? First six verses, he starts off with this call to repentance. And um, it's interesting because in the original language of Old Testament Hebrew, um, the, the word for repentance is shuv, right? It's it's return, it's turn. It could be translated turn, return, but it's shuv. And it literally means return, right? So so there's this kind of double entendre here because the Israelites, he'll say, has have returned, right? Shuv, uh, to the land of Israel. But Zechariah is saying, now I need you to return to the Lord. <laughs> y'all return to the land. Now I need y'all to actually turn to the Lord. It says, do not be like your ancestors. Verse four, uh, the earlier prophets proclaim to them. This is what the Lord of army says. Listen, turn from your evil ways and your evil deeds. Stop right there. Um, the message has been the same. Ain't none changed fam. The message has been the same, right? It's always been repentance and faith, right? Turn from your evil deeds, but they did not listen. <laughs> they did not obey. They didn't pay attention to me this is the lord's declaration listen for 200 years fam 200 god sent prophets to warn the people of god about sin and idolatry and they never turned from it and you talk about patience right you talk about patience fam um it's not that uh god isn't patient i've said it before it's that we aren't repentant right that's the problem when it comes to our relationship with the lord and so the lord is incredibly uh, otherworldly, infinitely <laughs> patient with his people. Vision one comes. And in this first vision, Zechariah, he sees a man riding on a chestnut horse. By the way, these visions are really, really weird. And I'll just try to be very simple and get to the bottom line of each. Um, he rides on his chestnut horse. He's standing among myrtle trees and behind him were these other horses. And what we have here is he says the land is at peace, right? And it simply denotes that God had raised up <clears throat> uh, Babylon to take uh, uh, um, the Israelites into captivity, but he had raised up Persia to conquer Babylon. And so the now, now after the 70 years of the exile, they allowed Persia allowed them to come back to the land. He said the land is at peace, right? And we even see mentioned in this vision that God was angry with the nations that were raised up that came against and uh, judged his people. And in the vision, he promises again, God promises again, this returning to Jerusalem. So again, he, he's giving this vision to help them see what has actually happened on a on a macro kind of scale, right? If this isn't just by happenstance, stuff ain't just, uh, we don't just have good luck, all this kind of stuff. No, 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 God is working out his purposes in history among his people and among the nations. And this vision, fam, this vision was meant to energize and motivate his people to continue and move forward in the work God had called them to do, which was rebuilding the rebuilding of 
Jerusalem, the rebuilding of the city, the rebuilding of the temple. And I think it's the same thing today, right? Like God reveals his word to us. He makes his will and his way in himself known so that we will be encouraged and energized and motivated and inspired to do the very things he's called us to do in the unique places he has us in individually and corporately. Vision two comes. You have these four horns. They represent uh, Assyria and Babylon and then those are uh, those that took Israel into exile. And once again, God is saying that these blacksmiths, right, would be involved in scattering these nations. So in other words, just how the nation scattered uh, his people, these blacksmiths would come and scatter these nations. Right. And so God uses, like I said, Persia to conquer these nations and execute his judgment. Now, the whole purpose is to show this. Listen, it wasn't just that God was just working on uh, the world scale. It is that God was actually taking vengeance for his people, right? Like God is this just God who always takes vengeance for those that take advantage of his people. Vision three, Zechariah chapter two, we have this guy oddly walking around with an ancient tape measure, right? He's measuring the city of Jerusalem, uh, looks and seems really weird, but we see, but what we see is that Jerusalem, as the scripture says, will be inhabited, listen, without walls, right? Why? Because of the number of people and animals they're in. And it says they won't need a wall because Yahweh will be their wall. In other words, in the ancient world, the nations would always be walled off, right? Walls were very important in the ancient world. And if you remember Nehemiah, he goes and he wants Jerusalem's wall rebuilt and he goes back to Jerusalem to help them with that. Um, one of the reasons that the wall was super important uh, in the ancient world was because it, it protected uh, nations and, and kingdoms from foreign enemies. Right. It was it was a, a, a major technological, uh, you know, advancement in, in the sense that it was a defense mechanism against those who would try to harm uh, your, your people. Right. But also uh, walls in the ancient world sent a message that foreigners were not welcome on the inside. Right. And so it's interesting because the Lord is playing on both of these themes and God is saying like, no, 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 like that, that won't be the case. Right. He says this daughter Zion shout for joy and be glad for I'm coming to dwell among you. This is the Lord, de Lord's declaration. Listen, many nations will join themselves to the Lord on that day and become my people. I will dwell among you and you will know that the Lord, listen, of armies <laughs> has sent me to you. Look what he says. He says, no, there won't be any walls. Why? Because the nations are invited in. And <laughs> in, in, in the last days, the nations are invited in. It's not just about Israel. It's about what God is doing in the entire world amongst Jew and Gentile, uh, Jew or Greek, slave or free, uh, all every tribe, tongue and nation, Revelation 7, Revelation chapter 5. Listen, God is bringing together the peoples of the world to be a part of his kingdom. And anyone that would trust in his Messiah and his Christ can be there. Right. It's beautiful. God is saying, every, no, like, come in. You invite it, chief. And then he says, no, no. He says, I will dwell among you. You don't need a wall. I'm going to dwell among you. And guess what? The Lord of armies It's so interesting. God uses different names for himself, for himself, for different reasons in specific contexts. Here he's saying, I'm the Lord of armies, feet, chief. I am your protection. There will be a day when there are no more enemies. There will be a day when the enemies of sin, Satan and death are all put away for good. And we will have nothing to worry about because the Lord will be with us. We have to understand um, what God is trying to show us in this text, man, that God has this plan of restoring and renewing humanity, right? Humanity and the Lord 
we'll see to it that he'll do it. Fourth vision, uh, Zechariah 3 gives us more glimpses to what God is going to do, what he is doing. We're introduced to this guy named Joshua. Now, you may think, oh, Joshua, I know Joshua. Not that Joshua, right? This is Joshua, son of Jehozadak. This Joshua is actually a high priest, and he is actually the first high priest of the returned exiles. And in fact, when Israel was in exile, listen, the priesthood was not even operating, right? They didn't have a, a place to operate. They didn't have a, a central location of worship. They didn't have the temple, right? And so the sacrificial system, all that stuff was, was like done away with. And so he was commissioned with this major Herculean task, right? Um, in this vision to restore it. And in the vision, he has on uh, these dirty clothes and God says, uh, take these off and I will clothe you with festive robes. What's going on? Well, in many ways, Joshua serves as a uh, synecdoche, right? Synecdoche. All, the, all that word means is, uh, is that he, listen, symbolizes what is true of the whole nation in one person. Right. So in other words, he, he operates as a symbol for what God is trying to do with everybody. Right. The part is representative of the whole. And they would experience what he's saying is they would experience a type of cleansing and forgiveness. Right. And renewal. Right. From their sin and from their uncleanness. And this is uh, interesting because partly this is partly conditional, right? As Joshua is called to be faithful in obedience to God, just like the people are called to be faithful in obedience to God. And he even tells them in this text, listen, and he'll say it more later. He'll talk about it later. But he even tells them that he is a sign, right? That, that Joshua is a sign, a sign that he is going to bring his servant, the branch. Now, it's interesting. This is a side, um, you know, in this period, in the second temple period. So you have, this is um, late or yeah, late sixth century, right? So the 500s, um, uh, all the way down to 70 AD, right? That's how long the second temple was up. So the New Testament comes up in this time, right? But in this time, uh, even in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, you have uh, what they would call second temple Judaism. And basically uh, you have all these Jews speculating, right? On what the Messiah would be like. And there were some uh, Jewish communities and there was a, a, a wide right, divergence of views. But many in the Jewish community and uh, certain Jewish uh, sex, uh, believe that he would be a priestly like figure. Now, most of them believe that, uh, in some way that he was going to be a King from the line of David, right? That was kind of like settled in, in most circles, but some circles was like, no, no, like he'll be this kind of priestly, uh, like figure, uh, who, who's, who's more of a, uh, righteous like teacher. And so it's interesting that, uh, even here that God is uh, leading and he, and he would bring in the, the Messiah would bring in the restoration, right? The kingdom of God, uh, uh, uh the, the, the kingdom of Israel. And you see Jesus do that, right? Now, it's interesting because here in this text, which is technically in the time of the second temple, um, you have Joshua as this high priest who's who's the guy. Right. And uh, Zerubbabel, he's actually um, who we're going to talk about in the fifth vision, who's from the line of David. Um, and so it's interesting that the high priestly um, kind of stuff is here already. And you can see how they would think that. You see what I'm saying? And so. Um, but but I think the New Testament gives us a variety of images. I think the dominating controlling image and I'm talking too much. The dominating or controlling image is the kingly image, right? The the, the Christ, the, the the Messiah, the king from the line of David. I think that Paul is clear about that. The gospels are clear about that. But one of the things that is super clear too, look at Hebrews. Hebrews is very clear and it actually wants to like, uh, you know, like like use the high priestly metaphor of Jesus to kind of dominate what um what, what what who who the messiah is who this king is who christ is for us um so i think that's just super interesting um but vision five we come 
we have these lampstands and these trees. Uh, lampstands here represents uh, God's watchful eye over the people, and the trees represent the two guys leading this charge, Zerubbabel and Joshua. And it says this in verse 6, So he answered me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by strength or by might, check this, but by my spirit, hmm, says the Lord of armies. What are you, great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain, and he will bring out the capstone accompanied by shouts of grace, grace to it. It's interesting that um, these two lampstands, Zerubbabel from the line of David, royal family, um, Joshua, um, high priest, uh, work together. <laughs> they work in tandem. And it is only by God's spirit that the restoration uh, is possible, right? Like even, even they need to be empowered by God's spirit. And it's interesting because Jesus comes. He's not just a king from the line of David. He's not just a high priest. He's both. Right. And he is empowered by God's spirit to bring in God's kingdom and to restore God's people. And guess what he does? He passes that mantle. He passes that spirit onto <laughs> the disciples and they go out and spread the good news of the kingdom. And guess what they do? Right. They preach the gospel that includes the Holy Spirit. And guess what? We as believers are a part of the story. Right. We have the Holy Spirit and God is calling us to be a part of what he's doing in his work in the world. And we can't do it. Listen, I've said before, we can't do it without his word. We can't do it without listening to and relying on his word. But just as much, we can't do it. We can't do the stuff God has called us to do without listening to, leaning on, walking by and relying on his spirit. God invites us to be a part of this grand, beautiful story. And I pray that we will answer the call. Let's pray. God, we ask uh, for your grace today to be led by your spirit, Father. We thank you for uh, what you've declared and decreed in your word, Father. We thank you that it won't return back to you void, Lord. We pray that we would um, live lives in such a way that where we uh, testify to the work you are doing uh, through Jesus and through followers of Jesus. Amen.